Hello, this is Pastor Jimmy Harper. Thanks for listening to this Lee University broadcast. We're excited that you are joining us today for one of our many campus events. We hope that you are encouraged as you listen. I should begin this morning by saying Happy New Year! I know what you're thinking. The woman's crazy sometimes, but not today. Actually, this coming Sunday, December 2nd, is the first day of the new liturgical calendar. It is New Year's for the Christian Church. And New Year's always lands on Advent. People will tell you that we are entering into Christmas time, but actually Christmas is only 12 days long. It starts on December 25th, and it goes to January 6th, Epiphany. Actually, we are entering into Advent time. For generations upon generations of church-going Christians, they have come to the church looking to find out what time it is. And the Christian church has always provided a calendar. In fact, I'm wearing the calendar right now. The stole is not the calendar, but actually the color is the calendar. And come this Sunday, liturgical churches all across the globe will change their calendar from green to purple. The first Sunday of Advent traditionally always begins with the end. You always begin New Year's in the church by looking at the final coming of Christ. You begin with the end, and then you work your way backwards so that at the end of Advent, on December 24th, you end with the beginning, the birth of Christ. Yes, it seems odd, but it's actually something that the Christian church has been doing for generations upon generations, of preaching God's coming again on the very first day of the new year. Now, I'm not going to be speaking about the end times this time, maybe another time, but if you go to the liturgical church this coming Sunday, you will hear about the end times. Actually, we're going to be looking at a passage that comes to us and is often used to encompass all of Advent time. Advent is that time in which you take the time to meditate on time of looking at the God who is outside of time, but at the same time inside with us in our time. And so we come to the Advent wreath. Many of you are familiar with the wreath. It is a timekeeper. That is simply what it is. It measures time. And there's a lots of symbolism around this wreath with the colors and the shape and even to the child who takes the light back out into the world. But this morning, I'm only going to be looking at one little aspect of this wreath, and that's this candle right here. This candle here that is lit is commonly known as the hope candle, hope that is synonymous with waiting, linked together. But what are we hoping for? What are we waiting for? We're waiting for this candle, the peace candle, a peace that came, born in a barn, a peace that will come when the trumpets blow, and a peace that is with us now, that surpasses our understanding. Therefore, let us go to the scripture text this morning, which comes to us from Romans chapter 5, 1 through 5. Listen now for a word from our Lord. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, let me read that again. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope will not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. This concludes the reading from the book of Romans. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. When Paul wrote this passage of scripture, he was sitting in a jail cell with a very uncertain future, not knowing if he'd be executed or let go. And when you begin to really understand the context in which Paul is writing, and then look at the topics that he's writing about, he's talking about rejoicing in his suffering, and you take his context and his words and you bring them together, and sometimes you just have to step back and say, hmm, how does that work? How does that happen to actually rejoice in your trials? Or let's take another example, a more familiar example, Horatio Spafford. I love that name. Horatio Spafford had a four-year-old son who died of a terrible fever. Two years later, his house and his business burned down in the Chicago fire. To get away from it all, he sent his family on a cruise, but the ship sunk and all four of his daughters perished. Two months later, he wrote a song. Does any of you know what song that is? Just yell it out. It is well with my soul. Here is a man who's not only lost his home and his business, he's lost his children. And he sits down and he writes a praise song about how peace comes his way. How does that work? How does that happen? Well, let's take another example of an eight-year-old, about your age, Ava. Fun Yin lived in central China in 1912, walking to school with his little brother. And as he's walking to school, he's stopped and he's found to have a Bible on his person and he is arrested. And as he is being arrested, his little brother is crying, screaming, grabbing at Fun Yin's clothes. And Fun Yin reaches out and says, peace, brother. It's going to be okay. How does that how does that happen where you can have such an uncertain future, where you're being pulled apart from your family and yet you are at a sense of peace? How does that happen? When I was eight years old, I was more like that little brother. Christmas Eve, eight years old, I finally got my first pet. I had asked for a kitty cat, so I named the goldfish Fluffy anyhow. And I was so excited. I got a bowl, and I got rocks, and I got a little net, and I watched my little goldfish. Oh, I was so happy. I finally got this pet. Well, on Christmas morning, the next morning, you guessed it, Fluffy is floating on the top of the water. I know it. And I went to my mother that morning, because it was Christmas morning, and listening to songs of peace on earth, goodwill towards men, and I went to her and I said, peace on earth, peace on earth. How can there be peace on earth when Fluffy is dead? And my mother said to me, oh, Heidi, that peace on earth stuff, that's not until Jesus comes again. When Jesus comes again, there won't be any more death and no more sadness. And the lion will lay down with the lamb and there will be finally peace. But that's not until Jesus comes again. I mean, look around you, Heidi. Look around. We have bombs going off in Israel and Palestine. We have civil war. 
in Africa. We have our own political nastiness in our own country. We have wars within our families that leave lasting scars on children. We have wars within our own bodies. You get a migraine, you feel like you've been hijacked, right? Peace on earth, really? Is it real? Or is it just something out there? Well, for those of you, like me, that my mother's answer just didn't cut it, we have often tried to bring about peace on our own ways, right? We've had national security or military campaigns, and we've tried to have peace in a more personal way. I bring this up because my home state of Colorado, right after this election, in Colorado had a news article, large, bold print that said, cannabis brings calm to Colorado. Cannabis brings calm to color. If the olive branch just doesn't cut it, there's another plant that will. <laughs> right? Cannabis. My granddaddy used to sell cannabis. It's true. Legally. Certified drug pusher in the 1930s, a.k.a. pharmacist. The plant would grow real tall as ditchweed, and he would break it off and make it into a, a dough and sell it for rheumatism. Oh, yes, there's lots of things that can be done with cannabis. You know those tall, masted ships with those sails, 16th century ships? We get the word canvas from cannabis. They were made out of cannabis. Or the King James Bible, written on cannabis paper. Or the original Levi jeans, originally made out of cannabis. From fossil fuels to textiles to paper, Cannabis has had a huge effect on our culture, not just Colorado, but on all of us. Because if you pay taxes like I pay taxes, part of our money goes to support the 20,000 people behind bars who are producing or consuming or delivering cannabis. Cannabis has had a huge effect on our culture. And so does it really bring about peace? People would say that it was. People would say that they can hold on to it and it will actually give them peace. As my granddaddy used to sell it legally. But now in Colorado, you can go to any cannabis cafe and get it legally. And so we come to this text today and we ask us, what does this teach us about peace when all the world is reaching out and trying to grab their own peace in their own way? You remember the song, La cucaracha, la cucaracha, ha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Well, that is a song about a cockroach who's had too much cannabis. In 1975, the U.S. government gave a whole lot of money to Mexico to pour thousands of tons of poison on their cannabis fields. And this led to a domino effect of taking a foreign crop and making it domesticated all the way from Oregon to Colorado in the middle of the corn, there was growing up cannabis. But then under the uh, war on drugs with the Reagan era, that led to another domino effect of taking a plant that is native to growing outside and bringing it inside. Okay, but in order to do that, the gardeners had to become very sophisticated because cannabis out in the wild grows up to seven feet tall. And so they had to take a cannabis from China and a cannabis from America, and they grafted them, making the cannabis only two feet tall. 
And then they had some other challenges because to grow this type of plant indoors, you have to have a very controlled environment. So they have these lights that are on at 24-7 a day, and they are high voltage lights, and the plant just gobbles it up. It just eats it, eats it, eats it. Yum, yum, yum. But then with all that light, you have an enormous amount of heat. And so you have to invest in the ventilation and cooling system. And with all that ventilation and cooling system and heat, the plant gets incredibly thirsty, and you have to invest in a lot of water. But of course, it's federally illegal, so you have to invest also in a security system. Michael Pollan of upstate New York says that this is the most expensive crop grown in America today. And I believe it. But it doesn't matter how expensive the crop is. It doesn't matter how hard it is to obtain. People will do anything to get a hold of it. They will go to great lengths to get cannabis. And they're not going to the cannabis cafes because they have rheumatism or because they have glaucoma. They're going because they have other problems like loneliness or worry or grief. Many years ago, I did my CPE training. That's clinical pastoral education. That's the training you get when you become a hospital chaplain. And I did it at Seton Hospital in their substance abuse 30-week lockdown unit, detox and rehab. Detox is really rough to watch. We'll just leave it at that. I spent most of my time in the rehab. And I would always be there with the people, counseling them, talking with them, always trying to get to know the folks and ask them, you know, really, why did you, why did you start? Why did you start marijuana or begin your substance abuse journey? Usually 50% of the folks would say their substance abuse started with marijuana. Not that it's always a gateway drug, but that's where it began. And so it's always curious to know, why marijuana? Why did you start? Why did you ever smoke that first one? And the answer always came down to a little molecule called THC. We actually have receptor cells in our brains for this molecule. And THC, this little molecule that comes into their brain, this, this receptor cells are located near our memory. And whenever I would ask people, why did you do it? Why did you begin to smoke this, and they would always say to me, because I just want to forget. I want to forget my regrets. I want to forget my guilt. I want to forget the type of person I have become. I just want to forget. I want some peace. It is a misconception that substance abuse is simply a youthful recreation. The majority of the people that I worked with were in their 60s, their 70s. I had two patients who were in their 80s. And a lot of these folks are veterans from Afghanistan or from Vietnam. And when they go to sleep at night, they just want to close their eyes and go to sleep. They don't want to close their eyes and have to relive things all over again. There's something to be said for the value of forgetting just as much as the value of remembering. When I would hear them speak at how they just wanted to forget their problems so that they could have peace, I wanted to jump out of my seat, run over them, grab them, and say, I know how you can do this. 
I know how you can do this because the scriptures tell us that you can have your problems, you can have your regrets, you can have your sufferings and have peace at the very same time. You can remember it all. And they would look at me like I was crazy. But Paul tells us this morning, rejoice in your sufferings because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope will not disappoint us. Why? Because when you are grafted into God, God pours out his love into your hearts and you receive peace as a gift from God. It's a gift from God, and we begin to talk about God. It's kind of hard to talk about God, isn't it? I mean, how do you describe the undescribable? How do you explain the unexplainable? After all, this peace is something that surpasses our understanding. So who can blame us? We can't understand it because it surpasses our understanding. And yet, Paul says it is real. It is real. You can be in a jail cell, you can lose your children, you can be arrested, you can have your world falling in on your head, and yet you're at such a place of peace that you can rejoice in God. Paul says that this is real. Grafted into God, we continually remind ourselves, as difficult it is to look around the world at all these things craving our attention, that peace will never come through a plant. Peace will not come through a pill. Peace will not come through a bottle. Peace will not come through your jobs or through your careers or even through intimate relationships. Peace will not come outside of Jesus Christ. Amen? Peace is not some sort of pie-in-the-sky theology that is out there on the horizon somewhere far away because... Peace is not the absence of affliction. Peace is the presence of God. Paul experienced this. Horatio Spafford experienced this. Fun Yin experienced this. And I conclude with the story of eight-year-old Fun Yin. Like I said, 1912 central China, arrested for having a Bible. Seventy years later, there was two film artists from California who wanted to do a documentary on prison systems. And so they went to central China and they met Fun Yin. And when they had learned about his story and heard about how long he had been there, they were shocked and surprised. Because prison systems in China are not like they are in here in America. They don't have weight rooms and televisions. They are cold, they are wet, they are dirty. And the very fact that Fun Yin was still alive was so surprising to them that they asked to interview him. And one of the very first questions they asked him was, Fun Yin, how is it that you have survived all these years? And Fun Yin kind of looked down at his feet a little bit and thought about it for a second. And then he looked up at them and he said, well, on Wednesdays, I get to clean the sewers. And the film artists kind of looked at each other thinking their translation was a little off and kind of chuckled at one another and said, how has cleaning the sewers helped you to survive? And Fun Yin smiled a toothless grin and said, 
because on Wednesdays, I get to sing praises to God as loud as I want, and nobody can stop me. I can't explain it. I can't describe it. I can barely understand it. But I, too, have experienced it. And I'm here to tell you this morning that peace on earth, peace on earth is real. A peace that came born in a barn. A peace that will come when the trumpets blow. And a peace that is with us now, justified by faith.